Hello, and welcome to the Whatcom Dads podcast, the podcast where we share our experiences being dads here in lovely Northwest Washington. We interview guests, share kid-friendly recommendations, and hopefully provide some useful parenting advice. I'm Mark Bagley. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Chris Roselli. And this week, we interview longtime Whatcom County parent educator Anne-Marie Reed about discipline strategies and also share some podcasts our kids listen to and YouTube channels they watch. Guys, we have done eight of these. This is episode nine. Can you believe it? I just hope it isn't like the uh, 70s TV show, Eight is Enough. <laughs> oh, you just, you just dated yourself there. Every three or four episodes, I think we should remind listeners uh, about our kids in case they haven't tuned in before. So again, uh, I'm Nathan. I have a two-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son, and a seven-year-old daughter. And I'm Chris. I've got an 11-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter. And I'm Mark, and my daughter Alexis, or Allie, is 24, and uh, my son Ben is 21. Should we let the cat out of the bag about episode 10, what we're going to do? What do you think? <laughs> I say we do it. We're, we're on nine, so we might as well do it. So next week, we are not going to be on the podcast. This podcast feed is going to be taken over by our three wives. So the Whatcom Dads podcast will, for one week only, become the Whatcom Moms podcast. I think we're getting a little different approach and maybe some advice for the moms out there. And likely, they're going to talk about some things that we as dads fail to do. And so uh, it could be quite interesting. I think, Nathan, you're quite uh, optimistic in saying that it's for one week only. By popular demand, we could, this could be our last episode. Uh, so I was thinking back to our last episode and uh, two things I wanted to share with you. I forgot to mention another pet we have in the house, uh, but it's a robotic dog. So my son got this for his birthday and uh, it's got some buttons on it. It wags its tail. It barks. But man, I tell you what, that is much better than having a real dog. Although yesterday they did set up a litter box for the robotic dog. It's the easiest pet ever to take care of. Absolutely. Maybe that's why maybe that's why we got him a robot and not a real one. My my kids asked why I didn't mention the chickens as pets. And I said, well, it's because you don't name the chickens and a pet has to have a name. So with no name, they're not considered pets. Oh. Interesting. That's gotta be hard because they you treat them like pets. They they run around your yard and you feed them, they rely on you like a pet. Yeah, but they're they're more of a I mean Dogs and cats don't give you anything. Chickens at least give you eggs. So there's like this uh, relationship there where I do something for them, they do something for me, and it works out really, really well. They're like employees. They kind of are. I mean, dogs and cats are takers. Chickens are givers. Today's podcast is brought to you by Robinson & Cole Attorneys. Robinson & Cole handles all types of injury cases. This includes auto accidents work accidents and L&I claims, slip and falls, construction site accidents, and wrongful death claims. Robinson & Cole offers a free consultation and case evaluation. If you or someone you know has suffered a personal injury or has been injured on the job, call Robinson & Cole at 360-671-8112. You can also find more information on their website, robinsonandcole.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. A-N-D-K-O-L-E dot com. 
Robinson & Cole, Northwest Washington's premier injury law firm, representing Whatcom County since 1979. Now for this week's guest. Well, today we are joined by Anne-Marie Reed, longtime local parent educator who has a career as a pediatric emergency room nurse and then has been teaching classes at Bellingham Technical College for much of the last several decades. Anne-Marie, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. So give us a little background on, your, uh, on yourself, Anne-Marie, and tell us about your kids, how old they are. Okay. So, um, so as you mentioned, I'm a pediatric emergency department nurse by background. I've been teaching parenting classes for a long time. That, ha- that came about because we, we moved from Seattle where I was working at Children's Hospital, and there is no Children's Hospital up here. And I was working in the adult emergency department, and it was fine but I really miss kids and families. And so that's when I started teaching the parenting classes and I love it. I just, it's, I'm, it's a passion for me. I, I've always wanted to be a mom. I, I have a very clear memory when I was five years old, wanting to be a mommy with three kids. I didn't realize I would have three boys, <laughs> but I do. And I love my guys. Um, and they are all grown and out of the house now. Um, the baby just turned 27 and my middle is 31 and our oldest is 34 and uh, three uh, uh, two of the three are married um, and the middle is in a very uh, significant relationship. And I don't know if the other guys know this, but we're also joined by somebody recently awarded uh, the Jeff Morgan Legacy Award by the Ken Gass Community Builder Awards. So congratulations, Anne-Marie, on that recent award. Thank you, Nathan. Congratulations. That's really nice. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about disciplining your kids, uh, something that I think is maybe challenging for most of us. Uh, And so could you maybe start us off with just sharing a little overview of what the different styles of discipline are? Sure. I mean, there are many, many, but when I try to narrow it down, I think basically about being a permissive parent, being a really strict parent, and being kind of in between, right? So those, that's how I would probably narrow it down. So most people, that resonates with most people. And so what should we be shooting for? In the in-between. <laughs> the one that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are lots of different parenting strategies out there. Um, and I think it's great to, you know, read and talk to folks. But the bottom line is you have to do what resonates for you and your family. Um, you know, maybe after you've done some research, you know, so that you can do it in an informed way. But um, there is no one absolute right approach, I don't think. So, Anne-Marie, you talk a little bit about what's right for the family. What if the parents have different Hmm. discipline styles? How do you you get to a point where you find that happy median so it doesn't, so it's not only hard, not hard for the kids, but it's not hard for the parents as well. Right. That's probably the number one area of conflict between parents is the style of discipline. And we tend to discipline the way we were disciplined as kids, right? I mean, it's what we know. It's what's in our bones. And even if we disagree with it as grown adults now, in the heat of the moment, what often comes out is how you were parented, how you were disciplined, right? For better or worse. So, um, 
you know, the idea that, um, I mean, many of us were raised this way, right? Kind of this more um, authoritarian approach, this strict approach that um, you you do it because I said so, right? That it's my way or the highway, um, that I you need to suffer to learn your lesson, right? Um, a pretty uh, punitive, negative approach. So when, so if one parent embraces that style and another parent thinks, oh, that's too harsh. So I'm going to be a little more permissive to try to balance it out a little bit. Um, that actually can be pretty confusing to the kid. So it really takes a lot of effort on the parents part to really talk about this and not in front of the kid. I mean, you know, talking about it ahead of time, kind of thinking about your family discipline philosophy, what that looks like and why, and really kind of talking these things through a lot and maybe even getting a neutral third party involved. Sometimes it requires that to um, bounce ideas off of and see the pros and cons of each approach. Before we were married, my wife and I would joke that she was going to be the kid's friend and I was going to be mom, dad. And, <laughs> and it, it's funny that um, as when they were younger and as, as the kids grew up, that was a little bit true where I was the disciplinarian and the kids will say now that they were probably scared of me. Oh. I don't know if that's... I don't like to think that's true, but I was a disciplinarian for sure of the yeah. family and she was more their buddy, their friend. And it's, uh, it has stayed a little bit true over those years. We did find that happy medium. We did talk right. a lot about it, but I think that sometimes it's hard for people to change, especially oh, parents. And we adapted, but I'm not sure we changed. I, oh, I think you're spot on with that. It's really hard to change. It takes, you really have to be intentional. You have to be able to forgive yourself because you're going to make mistakes, right? And keep trying because your kids are worth it. Parenting is so personal, right? And if someone's disagreeing with you, even if it's your spouse, right, that it's really easy to get on the defensive. So trying to be very careful how you bring topics up. Um, I don't know if you all are familiar with John Gottman. I really appreciate his work, um, relationship work with couples and parents and children. And he talks about um, when there is an area of conflict that, and you need to discuss it, that you start with what's called a soft startup. So I've heard, um, I've heard teachers talk about it like a poop sandwich. I like that analogy too. <laughs> where, where, where the Sounds bread, delicious. I know, isn't that great? Um, so the bread of this poop sandwich is the appreciations. So you're going to start with a genuine appreciation. So what you appreciate about, in this case, let's say your partner, right? And then the poop is you explaining what you don't feel is going so well, but trying to really own it where you're not putting blame on somebody else, right? Um, so you don't raise their defenses. And then you end with more appreciations. That's the second piece of bread. So um, usually people are going to be a little bit more um, open to hearing what you have to say if you can take that approach the poop sandwich approach. <laughs> so we've done the Gottman work. And uh, now when I give my wife an appreciation, she's just waiting for the poop. <laughs> Even if it's not coming, she just is a little bit defensive. Like that, that was nice. What's coming next? Yeah. Why don't you just oh, skip straight so to funny. the poop? Right. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need the bread. 
funny. Well, Anne-Marie, of course, as you mentioned, parenting is hard. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, especially as we're disciplining our children. What are common mistakes that parents make? Well, I think that the idea that kids have to suffer to learn their lesson, right? You know, if you think about it, um, like if you put yourself in kind of their situation, like let's say you were reprimanded by your supervisor, right? In a pretty negative way, right? I mean, a kind of a put down, you got to suffer, you know, you're going to be demoted. I mean, whatever, right? You're not going to feel very good about yourself you're probably just going to get really pissed off at that supervisor rather than being self-reflective about maybe your part in it, right? So I think that attitude of that a kid has to suffer to learn their lesson is really off target. You know, the, the people do better when they feel better. When a person feels encouraged, they want to strive even more. They want to do even more, right? And I like, rather than telling a kid what they did wrong, I like to say, you know, what, what could you do differently? Or what did you see anything here that needs fixing? Um, kind of letting them discover it, right? By asking some guided questions. Yeah. One thing that works for Amy and I is we're always conscious of how our kids behave in public when we're out at restaurants and at friends' houses and things like that. And when people provide us privately with compliments, a lot of times that'll happen. We always pass that on to our kids, which builds them up, makes them feel really great that, wow, you know, obviously what you both did tonight, you worked really hard and we noticed it. And guess what? Other people noticed it too. And this is what they said. That's awesome. That's so great. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, really, yeah. really is. You know, it makes me think of Carol Dweck's work out of Stanford. Are, are you all familiar with her? I'm she's, not. No. He's worth looking at, right? So Dweck is spelled D W E C K. And Carol Dweck from Stanford. And she's done, um, you can find her on YouTube. She's got lots of little uh, videos on YouTube. There's one that's like three and a half minutes long. It's got a little boy about fourth grade with a baseball cap on. Totally worth looking at, right? And short. But um, but her work has really all centered but what she calls an open mindset or a fixed mindset. And basically what she's talking about is the difference between praise and encouragement, where praise, um, where a lot of us were raised with praise. And, you know, it was, wasn't that long ago that teachers were taught to praise in the classroom. But what that does is it really labels a kid and it's a very closed mindset. Um meaning that they're less likely to take on challenges when like if I if I were to praise a kid and I say, oh, you are so smart. You did that puzzle so well. You are so smart. Well, if I give them a harder puzzle and they aren't they aren't successful with it, that's going to be kind of devastating for them. And they're not going to be likely to go on. They're going to want to keep doing something that they feel successful at how they feel labeled. I'm smart, as opposed to if I just focus on the effort oh, that, you know, you work really hard on that and not focus on the end product, just be encouraging. That's a kid who's going to be more willing to take on challenges. I think the other thing that a a mistake that parents might make with discipline is allowing yourself to get triggered by their tantrum or outburst. Now, that is easier said than done not to get triggered, okay? (laughs) I get that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but there's this little mantra that is not mine. I know uh, Jane Nelson, who's done a lot of the positive discipline books and other people have done takes on this calm, connect, correct. And wow, is that helpful. And I fall back on that all the time. So the calm, so if I'm in the heat of the moment with, with a child, I'm, and I can feel myself rising, right? I need to calm myself, right? That's what the, the calm is about me, not about the kid. It's about me. And I need to do my self-talk to help bring myself down. Like I'll acknowledge this really stinks. I don't like this. Here we go again, but I can handle it. I've got the tools I need. I can be the parent I want to be. I mean, that was my self-talk. So that's the calm part. The connect is being empathetic with your kid. And if you're already really pissed off at your kid's behavior, right? You don't really feel like being empathetic, <laughs> but <laughs> you really need to be, right? And this yeah. really is, this part absolutely is in brain science. They're not going to be able to hear what you say as far as any of the correction until they feel understood, right? And even if they're really off the wall, you don't have to agree with their behavior at all. You just have to convey that you've got empathy and, and understand their point of view. And then comes the correction. So the correction is way down the road, right? This other stuff has to come first. And most of us jump right to the correction, right? And that's when it's going to not be as effective. So that tends to be my struggle. So can you oh, talk yeah. a little bit about what's the difference between a punishment and maybe a consequence yeah. and how to find consequences that fit the crime, so to speak? It's real. That, that is really tricky. And I think, um, so if I look at the difference between discipline and punishment, um, if I punishment is done to the kid. And it's with that attitude that, you know, I'm not going to raise a brat, you know, I, um, I'm going to raise a responsible citizen, I got to nip this in the bud. Um, and you have to suffer to learn your lesson, right? Um, where discipline, if I go back to the root word of discipline is disciple, and one definition of disciple is to teach or to guide. And so if I take that attitude, honestly, it all boils down to your attitude. That's really what it boils down to, right? That if my attitude is I am so pissed off and I'm going to make you suffer like you're suffering me, <laughs> making me suffer, then yeah, that's punishment probably. Where if I take the attitude, oh, I see you made a mistake. It looks like you need some support. You know, what can you do differently? How can you fix your mistake? What can I do to help? those attitudes, that is discipline, right? So I'm holding the kid accountable. I am not a permissive parent. I don't think that is in a child's best interest, but I try really hard not to be a harsh parent either. Um, so there's that middle ground, but yeah, it's not easy. So consequences, it's I, when children are young, like toddlers, you're probably going to end up doing consequences a little bit more than not um, as far as your discipline strategy, because they can't really reason yet. They can't really problem solve yet. Um, but in order to keep a consequence from sliding down that slippery slope and becoming punishment, because it's very easy for consequences to become punishment, 
um, I like to keep in mind the three R's. This is Jane Nelson's work. And she says that the consequence needs to be respectful. So I'm not going to do anything that's belittling or humiliating. The consequence needs to be reasonable. And by that, we mean developmentally reasonable. So, um, you know, if a, if a one-year-old spills their milk, you know, sure, they can help clean it up, but I'm not going to have them do the whole floor, just the spill, and they're going to need my help doing it, right? That would be developmentally appropriate. Um, and it needs to be related. And the example I just gave, it certainly was related to spill the milk, you help clean it up, right? So reasonable, respectful, related. And then the thing that really keeps it from becoming punishment is the kid feels helpful. And I really, with the toddlers, I really like doing things like, well, maybe I can ignore it. It depends on what it was, right? I might ignore it. I might give them a substitution. No, you can't pull the dog's hair, but you can pull the stuffed animal's hair, right? So I can give them something that is okay to do. Um, I might just redirect them, you know, just pick them up and move them. They're pretty portable still at that age. <laughs> So that works. Um, that age is, re I really like the idea of two yeses for every no. So no, you can't hit the dog, but you can give the doggy a treat or we can roll the ball for the dog. So we give them alternative, what they can do, really focusing on what they can do as opposed to what they can't do. So Amy and I felt like we had that dialed in right as they were finishing toddlerhood and moving into four and five and six. And now, of course, I've got an 11-year-old uh, an and a 14-year-old. Uh, so how does the approach of discipline change as kids get to middle and high school? That's great. I love that question. So the, the underlying thing theme of your discipline, right? Your, your discipline philosophy is not going to change. It's, it's, I mean, that holds, you know, this idea of mutual respect. I, I expect you to respect me and I am going to respect you. I'm going to listen so that you know that I have heard what you have said and I understand your point of view. I may not agree and it may not happen, but at least you feel heard, right? So that's going to be, that's going to maintain throughout every age, right? But how it's implemented is going to be a little different. And so by the time you've got tweens and teens, um, instead of your parenting being like you, um, where you're the parent and you kind of oversee everything, it's a little bit of a switch. I mean, you're still the parent, but it's more of a mentorship or a coach, right? And, and, um, yeah, you're not going to be able to spank, you know, a tween or a teen, nor that I do I think you should, but it's going to be more about problem solving. And it's going to be things like, well, you know, what do you think will happen if, you know, you don't study for your test? And how do you think that's going to, you know, um, work out when you're applying to college? And, you know, I mean, you can, so again, it's asking questions, right, rather than telling them what to do. And it's having the courage to allow them to experience the consequence of their mistakes. So when they don't study and they fail that test and now they're really, you know, upset and you, that's when you want to be empathetic. Oh, I know that's, you know, that must not feel good at all. You know, I, you know, I, 
how whatever you want to say, right? That they feel heard. And what do you think would help you for next time? How would you like to change that up? Anything you need from me? I'm not going to do your homework for you, but you know, we can make sure that you've got a, you know, a quiet space in the house to work or, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. So, so it really is, it is a bit of a switch of mentality. I think as a parent that you're not, you're not dictating what to do as much. It's really way more of a coaching and they may try to do things completely out of your family values um, but if you continue to convey your family values and why, nine times out of 10, as kids move toward the end of adolescence, they're going to come back to your family values. So some of it is just having faith in your kid too. I want to be the approachable parent, right? I want my kid to feel safe that they can talk to me about anything, right? And in order for them to do that, it means I need to be respectful to them. I need to listen to them. They need to feel heard. They need to know they can trust me. Now, I'm, I'm going to hold them accountable for sure, but it doesn't have to be harsh, right? It just needs to be as consistent as possible. And Annette and I made a ton of mistakes with the kids growing up, but um, oh, yeah. they did argue with us a lot. Mm-hmm. But now they come to us with problems and they want our advice and they want us to know what's going on in their life. And so hearing you say that, Emery, it makes us feel like, wow, okay, maybe we did an okay job with them. When they're, you know, 13 and 16, it didn't seem that way. We were at our wit's end, but maybe looking back at, in hindsight, it was a good thing. But I want to I get back to something you said a little bit earlier regarding punishment and consequences. Mm. In my mind those words are interchangeable. And I would say that my, and I would say that my wife and I punished our children. We did not talk about consequences. Is one better than the other? I mean, obviously you seem much more calm and thoughtful than I was as a parent. So I'm just wondering the difference between consequences and punishment. And if you feel one is better or worse than the other. Well, I think, you know, if we're talking about punishment from the, again, that attitude, you have to suffer to learn your lesson. I don't think that that is particularly helpful. Um, But unfortunately, consequences can become that. So that's why I said those three R's of consequences, that it's related, respectful, reasonable, that's going to help keep it from becoming punishment, right? So, um, the first one that popped in my mind is I can remember um, our firstborn, he was about eight and um, perfectly capable of getting himself out the door for school. And um, he was lollygagging and he was going to miss the bus. And I could have allowed him to miss the bus. That could have been a consequence, but it also would have been one to me. It would have affected the rest of the family. So I chose not to do that. So I said, oh, Matthew, I see you need some help today. And so I gathered up his backpack, stuck his lunch in it. You know, I'm giving him a goodbye kiss, you know, as he crosses the street to uh, catch the bus. And I said, oh, and Matthew, by the way, honey, that took 10 minutes of my time. So when you get back home from school today, you will owe me 10 minutes of doing one of my jobs. So um, and so I tied it 
I made it related through time. He was old enough I could use time to make it related. Um, so he took 10 minutes of my time. So I didn't, I didn't expect him to do a great big job, just 10 minutes of whatever I normally would do. And, and then I, I kept it positive. So honey, have a wonderful day, you know, love you. Bye-bye. And honest to gosh, I forgot about it. Right. He came home and he got the vacuum cleaner out and he vacuumed for 10 minutes. I didn't have to remind him or anything. And the beauty with that is it was respectful. It was reasonable. You know, he, he was developmentally able to do it. Right. Obviously. And, um, and it was related through time, which is actually the hardest one to do is the relating related part, but I was able to do it through time. And I could tell it meant a lot to him to be able to fix his mistake without me nagging or being negative, then he wouldn't have done it, right? But the fact that I left it in his lap to fix his mistake and gave him a way to do that. This might be kind of obvious, but what happens when a parent doesn't follow through on something that they've imposed as a consequence? Oh, well, you've taught your kids something, not what you want to teach them, but yeah, you've taught your kids something that you don't mean what you say. So, and so you are inviting the kid just to um, kind of push the boundaries even more, right? Because they don't think that anything's going to happen because it didn't. So yeah, you're, you're kind of sabotaging yourself when you do that. And again, it doesn't have to be big and harsh, right? Um, it it's just needs, there just needs to be some kind of follow through. That's all. It doesn't have to be big, just that you're going to follow through. On the same token, what do we as parents do when we know we messed up, when we made an inappropriate punishment or we lost our temper? Um, I can think of those times where at the end of the incident, I remember that I just lost dad of the year because that was me at my worst. (laughs) So uh, how do you handle those with the kid? How do you repair? So, and that's the key right there. Repair, right? You just said it. So, and honestly, the fact that you even acknowledge that you blew it, right? That makes you dad of the year, Nathan. So (laughs) it really does. You know, the fact that you can recognize that, well, I blew that one and we all blow them. Oh my gosh, we blow them all the time, right? And the good news is our kids are going to give us another chance, right? Where there's going to be more practice. And so when you know you have blown it, you allow yourself to calm down, you allow the kid to calm down, and then you go back and you say, I blew it. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. And you apologize to them. And you can explain how you were feeling. And you can say, you know, I, I wish I hadn't responded that way. I didn't appreciate your behavior, but I shouldn't have responded that way. So I'm apologizing for my, my side of it. And, um, and I want to fix my mistake. So, and what you've done is so great. You have turned lemons into lemonade because you've modeled how you fix a mistake to them so that it gives them permission to, first of all, make mistakes. And second of all, you've modeled, how do I go about fixing them? What a gift. It's a gift when we make mistakes. It really is. Mistakes are great. And that reminds me of when, uh, my wife and I do argue and sometimes the kids see that and just knowing that uh, it's helpful to apologize to each other in front of the kids because um, that then lets them know that 
everything's okay between mom and dad. And I guess it's modeling behavior for them down the road. Totally. I mean, that again is a gift for them as they grow for with their adult relationships, that they can see that another adult doesn't necessarily think the same way that I do, or might disagree, have a different opinion, but that doesn't mean I still don't love them. I might get angry, but I can still be respectful. I'm not going to, you know, name call or anything like that. And we can problem solve it. And we can apologize if we feel like we need to. And what's really important is for your kids to see how you problem solve and make up. That's incredibly valuable. All right. So first, uh, first lightning round question. What are your thoughts on spanking? Don't do it. That was one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) It's very demeaning and demoralizing and it's not teaching anything. It's um, parents tend to do it. They do do it with good intentions, you know, trying to change a child's behavior. And it might in the short term, right? Parents tend to do it when they don't have other tools. There are lots of other ways that we can teach that are way more respectful. Emery, what is the age where you stop disciplining your children? Mm, I don't think ever. You know, not if you are embracing the term discipline like I do, which is to teach or to guide, right? So if my adult child comes to me and asks my advice, I'm teaching, I'm guiding, I'm disciplining. Does grounding high schoolers work? And if so, how long should you ground them for? Personally, I don't think it works. <laughs> um, every kid is different, so I'm not going to judge somebody if they if they use that technique, but I can tell you I never did that. And if they did something inappropriate, okay, here's one instance that our um, firstborn did as a teen. Um, my spouse uh, found a bottle of rum in the trunk of the car, and um, it, there was a sip taken out of it. And he's underage, of course. And um, so when he got home, you know, we asked him about it and I tried to be pretty chill. um, And I said, well, Matthew, that's a problem because that was an open bottle of liquor. You know, dad had driven the car and that could have been a real problem. And you are underage. Um, I can understand your curiosity about it. You could have had a sip at home and with us and that would have been okay with us, but you chose not to. So I want you to go dump that down the sink. And you lose the privilege of the car for two days. And if something like that happens again, we're going to have to, you know, up the ante a little bit. And you're much more patient than I am. I'll tell you a a quick little story about my daughter when she was uh, almost 16. My wife was out of town and I was taking my son to a a party at a friend's house. And she was at another friend's house. And we said, you can go, but you cannot leave that person's house. Long story short, uh, they were driving around downtown Ferndale. One of the friends in the car threw lit firecrackers outside the window. A police officer heard it, thought he was being shot at, pulled the kids over at gunpoint, um, arrested the children, uh, the whole deal. It was, and my wife gets a phone call at a hotel room in Denver from the police officer saying, we have your daughter at the police station. And then, of course, she calls me and says, where are you? And anyway, long story. So her punishment, even though she didn't do anything wrong by throwing the fireworks, her punishment was she was not allowed to get her driver's license for a month um, after her birthday. And 
that's a little more harsh than what you did with your son for two days and not having the car. But she tells us to this day that that was such an appropriate punishment and it really woke her up and made her realize that, yeah, she made a mistake. And the mistake was she was not supposed to be out with friends. She was supposed to be at a friend's house. And, you know, I think that we felt good about our response to the issue. What you described, you know, part her uh, mistake was bigger than what Matthew did. And, you know, a month to wait on the driver's license. I don't think that is so bad. Um, And she just her experience of being arrested and a police officer drawing his gun. uh, That probably was a big wake up call for her as well. So that was a consequence for her right there. Absolutely. She'll never forget it. (laughs) I bet not. (laughs) Scary for everybody. And Marie, you have been really fantastic. Could you provide us with some suggestions of what your favorite books and authors are uh, that our listeners who are parents can read? Yeah, you bet. Um, there are a lot. Um, right. And, you know, I kind of go in phases what I like in any given time. Um, I am really enjoying Laura Markham. And she has a website, ahaparenting.com. And I think she just uses a very common sense approach, very rooted in brain science. She's a clinical psychologist. It's respectful. um, It's kind and firm at the same time. Very empathetic. I really like her stuff. So ahaparenting.com. And then she's got a couple books out as well. Um, I also really like Mary Sheedy Kursinka. Her last name is K-U-R-C-I-N-K-A. And she has... She has a very practical approach. You can turn around and utilize her suggestions very easily. And she's got three different books out that I'm aware of. She's got um, kids, yeah, kids, parents, and power struggles. Ooh, that's a good one. And then um, raising your spirited child. Oh, that's another good one. <laughs> so, and then she has one on sleep too. Yeah, yeah. My firstborn is spirited as well, Mark. Yeah. And then I, I really like Barbara Coloroso. Um, she's from Littleton, Colorado, and um, her last name is C O L O R O S O, and um, she's got several several books too. Um, Kids are worth it. Winning at parenting. Um, She's got a really interesting one, a short little book, but boy, is it deep called just because it's not wrong. Doesn't make it right. That's a really good one. Um, She's got a really nice one on bullying. Um, I think it's uh, the bully, the bullied and the bystander. Um, So she's got, I really appreciate her work too. And she's funny. She's really entertaining. Henry, before we let you go tonight, could you tell us a little bit about the classes you teach at BTC and, and, and how people can sign up? Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, our, I teach through Bellingham Technical College in the Child and Family Studies Department. And um, our classes are uh, broken down by age. So we've got infant, uh, infant parent classes where parents come with their infants. Uh, We have toddler classes where parents come with their one-year-olds or with their two-year-olds. And we've got multi-age classes where parents come with, you know, birth to five. So this is where 
parents often bring siblings. Um, and those are our in-person, well, not right now, it's online right now, but um, maybe not too distant future, we'll be back in person, but bringing the children with you. So there's play activities with the kids and, um, and then breakout times for the parents. And so those are for the, you know, kind of our birth to five program, but we also offer uh, adult discussion classes in the evenings for parents of toddlers and preschoolers, another class for parents of school-age kids, and another class raising teens. So we try to, you know, reach all age groups. And if you just go to our website, the B, uh, let's see, www.btc.edu, and um, that's the homepage, and you scroll all the way down to continuing ed, you will see the child and family studies. And you can click on that, and there should be a way there for you to sign up for classes. Well, Anne-Marie, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time and your advice. And would you please come back in a couple months? I would love to. Anytime. This is really enjoyable for me. Thank you so much for having me. And you're doing important work. I want to support it. Thanks so much. Great. Well, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. Dad, can we order Indian food sometime soon? Sure. Where should we order from? Not in Brew. What dishes do you like from Non and Brew? I like the non bread and butter chicken. And why do you like them? Because it's yummy. Non and Brew is an Indian family restaurant that's been located in downtown Bellingham since 2015. They are located at the corner of Railroad and Maple and have a full takeout and delivery menu available. To place an order, call 360 389 5493 or visit their website at nonandbrew.com. That's N-A-A-N-A-N-D-B-R-E-W dot com. Okay, well, we just got done interviewing Anne-Marie Reed. Any uh, feedback, guys? Any initial reactions? Well, I think we're, the three of us are a great example of there's a variety of different ways to discipline. There's a variety of different ways to do things, and kids come out great. Some have challenges. You just, you just don't know. And that's the way it is. And I think you got to think about the, the heat of the moment as well. If you have two parents who are working and you're both coming home after a long day and you're trying to get dinner on the table and the dog is running around and the kids are hungry and tired and the house is a mess and who knows what else. And you don't stop and think about the three R's or the three C's. And sometimes you just react. And sometimes that reaction may not be the most positive thing in the world in retrospect, but at the time, it might just be the best you can do. And whether that's right or wrong, you know, I don't want to pass judgment on anyone in, in different situations, but I know that I lost my temper and I know that Annette lost her temper. But it, you know, I, as long as there's that, that level of self-control and you don't cross whatever that line is, um, you know, in the end, I think, you know, Nathan, you talked about it with her. If you can apologize to your kids or say, you know, I, maybe I overreacted, that's really great. But you can't fall back on that all the time. You can't always apologize to your kids and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that if you keep doing it time and time again. So the parent's behavior also has to be adjusted eventually, right? Yeah, I think the thing that I've learned is you can't, if you take back a consequence or punishment, that is really detrimental. But if you just walk back how emotionally we're with the kid and give them a hug and just get down on their level and say, hey, you know, I'm not changing that you're going to lose your favorite toy for the next day, but 
the way I spoke to you or the way I approached it with you should, we can work and do that better next time. Well, and after listening to Anne-Marie too, it just reiterates once again, uh, or it reinforces how lucky I am to have Amy as a partner who is super intentional about a lot of these things. She's read a lot more books on parenting than I have, and I just sort of follow her lead. We're all three super lucky with who we're married to, which relates back to what we announced at the top of the show, that our next episode is the mom's takeover. So you're going to get to hear <laughs> from the three wives. And to let me tell you guys, I think they're going to drive the bus over us and back it up and drive it over us again. But that's okay. Can you guys remember like maybe the time that you really had your worst performance discipline? And here's mine. I think my daughter was probably four and we were really into reading books. And one day she really got into me. And so it was like, well, if you did that, I'm taking away your favorite book. And then she kind of was like, okay. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to take away this whole set of books. And it was like, okay. And by the end of the interaction, I had taken every single book out of her room. And I sort of had the like, well, now what are you going to do? And, you know, it was the complete opposite way to do it. But I think back on that one of like, what am I doing? I've got 56 books now on my bed because I thought that I could make a big deal taking them all out of her room. Uh, it's It happens to all of us. Well, and that reminded me of uh, maybe one of our biggest parenting failures or successes. It depends on how you look at it. When Allie was in preschool, there was a, a, a thing that they taught us it was called one, two, three, and I, I think the, the word was magic, and you're supposed to count to three, and then the kid would actually change your behavior or whatever was going to happen, and we were sitting at the dinner table one night, and Ben was just about two, and out of the blue, Ben said, one, two, three, and Annette said, oh, Ben, very good. What's next? And he said, we get a spanking? <laughs> so i don't know if that's a good parenting topic or a bad parenting uh, trait i don't know but anyway uh, and that reminded me of that i thought that was pretty funny my problem is is i'm just too long-winded i try to give them this explanation for their punishment or their consequence and everything else and amy will cut me off and just be like you lost them it's done like just get it over with move on you know and so that's that's my biggest problem well, as parents and especially dads, uh, discipline is a work in progress. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned. It sounds like Anne-Marie's willing to come back and we can uh, dive in a bit deeper. And I'll be learning now for the grandkids. Oh, there you go. Right. I'm not, I'm not making an announcement. There, there's nothing to, to <laughs> announce, but someday out there. Wouldn't it be awesome if this podcast lasted long enough that you became a grandpa while we were doing it? What, like 10 or 12 more years? That would be fantastic. <laughs> Up next, Whatcom Dads Recommend. All right, this week on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're going to share with you some podcasts or YouTube channels that our kids listen to or follow. I know for our family, we use podcasts for road trips, and uh, also my kids sometimes use them during their rest time when their younger sister's taking a nap. So I'll go first. Uh, I think the number one podcast in my family is Wow in the World. This is a, a science podcast put out by NPR, and the, the hosts uh, sort of dive into 
different sorts of scientific topics. And uh, I think even all the way up through middle school would enjoy this podcast. My kids have told me many fascinating facts they've learned from Wow in the World, including that bees do math and that mice can sing. So uh, I highly recommend Wow in the World. I do enjoy listening to it with them. Uh, 25 to 30 minutes per episode, but a science-focused podcast for kids. Well, apparently uh, YouTube and podcasts are not big with the 20-something crowd, which I didn't know until today. Huh. And I, yeah, I, who knew? I guess it's all Insta and Twitter, and there probably is another platform that I don't even know about. But anyway. <laughs> TikTok. TikTok. I don't think they're really into TikTok. But anyway, uh, my daughter texted back. Her favorite podcast is called Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell. He goes into historical events that are overlooked and misunderstood and really gets you thinking. He's so captivating, and most episodes are family-friendly, so that's good. And it's in complete contrast to my son. Ben texted and said, my favorite murder is good and funny true crime podcast, but it's rated R. Uh, one of the podcasts that our family likes to listen to on long road trips is called Stuff You Should Know. Uh, the uh, hosts, uh, Josh and Chuck, um, are really funny, and uh, they cover a whole slew of topics and just provide some history. They do their own research on it. They talk about it, and uh, some are age-appropriate, some aren't age-appropriate, um, but we'll do a little bit of looking into it, and uh, we always learn something really new about it, and so they've got a huge following. They're really good. The other one that's big with my kids is Story Pirates, and this is where a group of world-class actors, comedians, and improvisers adapt stories written by kids. So check this out. A kid sends in a story, something they've made up, and these musicians and improvisers come up with a 40-minute episode based on a kid's story. And they have had special guests such as Julie Andrews, Kristen Bell, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and uh, it's pretty great. And then at the end, they interview the kid over the phone and say, how did you come up with this story? And man, I mean, this is Story Pirates is good enough for adults to listen to. So uh, check that one out as well. I also need to say that my two kids are listening to this podcast. And Ben, when he uh, takes a long drive, he likes to listen to two or three of them. And he's interacted with me and said what he's liked and what he hasn't liked and asked some good questions. And Allie's listening as well. So I think that uh, this might be a podcast that uh, kids should listen to. Actually, our kids uh, very rarely listen to podcasts. It's when we're all together and I throw it on in the car. They are big into watching YouTube videos. And um, of course, one of their most favorite ones that they love to watch is called Five Minute Crafts. And I've watched them uh, a handful of times. They have over 70 million subscribers doing Five Minute Crafts. And it's uh, just a variety of different life hacks on crafts from fashion to baking to a variety of other things. So the girls love that. Um, it's also super corny uh, in how it's done. So the kids think it's hilarious. Oh, and another one that they love to watch is Dangy Bros. Uh, they've got about 3.5 million subscribers as well. And it's these uh, two brothers who build fun and crazy things like a, a roller coaster in their backyard. Uh, they built a tiny house in a river that was uh, built up over a river. Um, and they're just really fun to watch. They're really funny as well. So it's kind of fun to watch with them too. One other podcast that we used to listen to, we really don't anymore, but when the kids were much younger on road trips, we would listen to Story Nori, which is a really great uh, 
uh, podcast with just a whole variety of different um, children's stories, but uh, from all over the world. And uh, so actually, I just looked it up today. The one that is uh, uh, posting today is actually about the story of Hanukkah. Um, and it's uh, just an opportunity to really teach your kids about a variety of aspects to the world of the world um, through uh, age-appropriate children's stories. Last night, Annette and I went to the old-fashioned Christmas at Pioneer Park in Fair- uh, in Ferndale. Sorry, and uh, I know this uh, podcast is released on Fridays, and so tonight and tomorrow night are the last two. And it's uh, just a walk around the park. Everything's lit up. They have Christmas music playing. It's socially uh, distanced, very safe, and just a nice way to spend some time uh, getting in the holiday spirit. How different is it uh, from previous years, Mark? Oh, it's totally different. The cabins are not open. It's just a stroll, okay. through, just a stroll through the park, and all the cabins are lit up, and there's decorations. And it's uh, you can drop your letter to Santa though in a mailbox, and uh, when the kids leave, they are handed a candy cane. So it's uh, pretty darn nice. We enjoyed it. And our family did the Lights of Christmas in Stanwood at Warm Beach Camp. And this year it's drive-through only. And uh, in the past you could get out and walk around. But for 20 or 25 bucks a car, I tell you what, it was about an hour's worth of driving through millions upon millions of lights. So uh, if anybody doesn't mind a 50-minute drive down to Stanwood, I would say it's well worth your time. The nice thing about the Pioneer Park is that it is uh, free, donations only. So if you're looking for something on a budget, that's a, a nice thing to be able to do. Thanks again to our guest, Anne-Marie Reed. And we do have links in our show notes to some of the resources she mentioned. Also, a special thanks to our sponsors, Robinson & Cole Attorneys and Non & Brew Restaurants. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. And new episodes should pop onto your phone early on Friday mornings if you have subscribed. Please email ideas for future guests or discussion topics to whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com. And if you or your kids have a good dad joke, email that as well. We will read it at the end of the show. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, to commemorate our 10th episode, 10 episodes, you guys, our wives are going to take over next week. So hang on. There's no telling what will happen. And if you're a dad listening on your own, Maybe your spouse could listen with you next week. So here's my uh, dad joke for the week. My son kept chewing on electrical cords, so I had to ground him. (laughs) He's doing better currently and conducting himself properly. How about this one for the holidays? What do you call Santa's little helpers? Subordinate clauses. How many conifers does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Tree. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, what did one snowman say to the other? What? Do you smell carrots?